0: Hi there, my name is Candy, and I want to tell you about my problem. The thing is, I eat a lot. It's not simply one big portion. I don't stop. It all started when I was a kid. My parents told me that leftovers were helpful to my health, so I had to lick the plate. They also said that a healthy person's menu had to contain a first course, a second one, and a cake, and that I had to eat it to the end. I don't know what my parents were thinking, but my portion was the same as theirs. I think my parents influenced my weight gain. It seemed natural for me to have a standard adult portion. If the portion was less, it wasn't enough for me. My grandma made things worse. She gave me pies and cookies for a snack. However, my parents didn't manage to turn their daughter into Shrek. I never got fat. I wasn't sure what was wrong if it's not about getting fat. The thing is, I was eating almost all the time. I was always hungry. I wanted to eat nonstop everywhere. At school, when I walked in the street, I was always so hungry I felt I could even faint. If there wasn't a grocery store nearby or there wasn't a sandwich in my bag, I wouldn't go anywhere. So I had big problems with communication. All my teachers knew my issue. It wasn't surprising that I was always chewing on something. They let me do it because they didn't want to call a doctor. My classmates made fun of me, especially after seeing the size of my sandwiches. In junior high, there was even kind of a competition. My classmates gave me the food they didn't like and I had to eat it quickly. Despite my thinness, I always looked bad because I was dirty. I spilled sauces on my outfits. Besides, I always smelled like smoked meat instead of flowers, like a girl should. I also had terrible pimples all over my body, circles under my eyes, yellow skin and bad teeth. This is a portrait of a typical glutton. When my mom understood that it was easier to kill me than to feed me, she took me to a doctor. But he didn't find any abnormalities, except some mental stuff. But we didn't have enough money for a good psychiatrist. Mom spent everything on feeding me. I was terribly ashamed of my sickness. People made fun of me. They said insulting things, laughed and pointed at me. It happened all the time. I didn't have any friends either. No one wanted to be friends with a chewing monster. My classmates joked that I would soon get too hungry and eat them. I just couldn't stop eating. One day, my mom decided to do an experiment. She bought a big box of cookies. I was sitting at the computer, taking food right out of the box. I didn't even look at it. An hour later, the box was empty. Mom noticed, so I stood up and went to the fridge to get more. Well, no, there wasn't a black hole inside me. I felt sick. I had a stomachache. I was put in the hospital with intestinal obstruction several times, but I just couldn't stop. My hunger wasn't in my stomach, it was in my head. At 16, I decided to overcome my problem on my own. At first, I didn't take sandwiches to school. I only took a stack of sugar cubes. As soon as I felt sick, I ate a piece. This method helped at least for short periods of time. Actually, I even tried to get a boyfriend. I had a chance without a bucket of food in my hands, so I met a guy on the net. He quickly agreed to date me. We decided to meet at McDonald's, a favorite among students. I was ready. I put on makeup and went to see him. At that moment, I had a strong will. The boy even came. We talked about a lot of stuff. Everything was fine until our food came. Then, my eyes became clouded by the number of smells and tastes. As a result, I blacked out. Well, when I came to, everyone, even my boyfriend, was looking at me, scared. The truth was, I ate my food, his food, and even the neighbor's food. When they tried to take it from me, I was very aggressive. I even fought with people. After this incident, I was sent to a hospital. It was a bad idea to eat chicken wings with bones and other food along with a cardboard. Later, after a stomach surgery, I was moved to a mental hospital. Of course, I didn't have any relationships after this. Now, I'm undergoing treatment. I want to sleep all the time after I take the drugs they give me. Actually, nobody took me there by force, but I really feel better after these painful procedures and pills. At least, I'm not trying to eat everything that looks like food. I don't know how long I'll be stuck in the asylum, but I'll stay there until I'm okay. I can't say that it's totally my parents' fault, Yes, their attitude towards food greatly influenced me, but all these issues aren't because of my love for eating. In fact, this kind of attitude towards food was the reason for my mental disorder. It requires serious medical treatment. Actually, my parents aren't psychiatrists. They're simple people. They preferred not to notice this problem until it was too late. Friends, if you have any strange disorders or diseases, see doctors, don't be lazy. Comment if you've had a similar problem. And remember, it's much easier to treat illnesses at once. It can be too late when everything stops working, even your mind. Hello everyone, my name is Susie and I will tell you
1: what it feels like to not taste anything at all. I never thought that that was possible in real life, but it turns out that it can happen to anyone. But first things first, it happened one spring day, My older sister and i were cycling in a park not far from our house in general i can ride a bike very well and apart from that i have quite significant experience in it i've been cycling since i was six years old but something went wrong that day i wanted to show my sister how skillfully i could get from the curb to the road on a bicycle but because of the wet road the wheels began to slip and my bike fell down along with me I could not manage to control the movement of the bike, so I collapsed to the ground and hit my head on the curb really hard. My sister Melody immediately rushed to me, but I lost consciousness. I came to my senses a few days later in the hospital. My head was bandaged and there were a lot of sensors and doctors around. My mom was also present and when I opened my eyes, she couldn't hold back her tears. It turned out that I had quite a serious head injury, which really scared all my loved ones. That day, it seemed like the worst was over because I finally woke up. But in fact, my biggest ordeal was yet to come. My mom, being happy that I was recovering, wanted to feed me with some tasty homemade food. As soon as the doctors gave the green light for her to do it, mom rushed home to bake my favorite strawberry tart and finally the long-awaited piece of tart was in my hand and I was eagerly taking a bite of it, but suddenly I faced a terrible disappointment. I couldn't taste anything at all. Then everything was like what you'd see in a movie. My mom was sobbing a lot, doctors were fruitlessly examining me and trying to find the reason for this, and I was crying into my pillow every night so that no one could see it. It turned out that when I fell down and got a head injury, Some neural connections in my brain were damaged and I lost the sense of taste. Doctors were shrugging and saying that it would take some time and more thorough examination was required. Although since then, a little more than a year has passed and I still can't taste anything. It makes my life unbearable and gloomy. I do not enjoy the food that I eat at all. As a result, I have a poor appetite. I lost weight and started having problems with my immune system due to the lack of vitamins. Doctors prescribed me a bunch of dietary supplements, which I always have to carry with me and take some of them on an empty stomach and others after meals. My classmates began to make fun of me because in the school cafeteria, I always had a pile of bottles with me, but then they found out that I couldn't taste anything and began to make experiments on me, adding a heap of salt or chili pepper to my food. My life began to seem dark and gloomy to me. I became more withdrawn and did not want to talk to anyone. There were days when I did not want to go to school at all and I came up with various pretexts to stay at home. My performance worsened, although before, I had always gotten good grades. In short, it seemed to me that the whole world was falling apart around me and this was all because I had lost the sense of taste. At such moments, only reading could save me. I prepared a large cup of hot tea for myself, sat down by the window with a pile of books, and plunged into the unreal fantasy world to escape from my earthly problems. Yes, I did not sense the taste of tea, but it made me feel warm. Once quite an ordinary morning began as always, with the bullying of classmates, but suddenly something happened that deeply struck me. One of my abusers, his name was Michael, suddenly began to intercede for me. Before that, Michael was absent from school for several days. Why is he protecting me? What happened? Before he used to mock me just like everyone else did. These questions were spinning in my mind like flies, but I couldn't find an answer to them. It even seemed to me that he had some tricky plan for me to get my guard down and then hurt me again three times harder. A week had passed since that day and none of my classmates were bullying me any longer. I was so used to being an outcast and a loser in our class that at first it felt totally weird that no one offended me. Later, Michael came up to me and asked to go to the end of the corridor behind the stairs where it was possible to talk face to face where no one could hear us. Well, finally, I thought and followed him. Michael said that he had been absent because he had a sore throat so he needed to take sick leave. When he was ill, he wasn't able to taste anything for several days. And during this time, he understood how horrible my condition was. He felt ashamed that he had been mocking me and realized that it was not my fault that I suffered from this ailment. He asked me to forgive him and said that he knew how to help me restore my sense of taste, but for this, he needed a little time. After this conversation, I started hoping that I would become like everyone else again. My mood improved, I began to smile more often, and I felt a desire to live. About a month passed since I had that talk with Michael and he invited me to go behind the stairs again to have a word with me. There, he showed me a small vial with green liquid inside. When I asked what it was, he replied that it was a healing potion, which his grandma, who was a healer, prepared specially for me. Michael said that I should drink it exactly at midnight and then immediately go to bed without talking to anyone. Although I never believed in healers, I did everything as he said. When I opened my eyes in the morning, I immediately rushed to the fridge to try something and see if I could taste anything again. The first thing I found was a watermelon. I eagerly bit off a huge chunk, but then I was disappointed because everything remained the same. At school, I told Michael that the potion had not helped me, but he comforted me and assured me that I had to wait and the effect might not occur right away. I fastened on the hope, catching it like a lifeline, and just started waiting. I believed with all my heart and soul that the sense of taste would surely return to me again. But soon, a miracle happened. One of my classmates gave me candy. I took it reluctantly because I still didn't get any pleasure from it, but I didn't want to offend her. Without much enthusiasm, I unwrapped it and bit off a piece and instantly sensed the taste of milk chocolate in my mouth. I could not believe it and started eating more and more of it. Now, I don't know what helped me get my sense of taste back. This could be thanks to the potion given by the healer, my faith, or because of positive thinking. Whatever the truth, with the returning of taste to my life, it acquired fresh colors. I felt complete again. I wanted to study and achieve my goals. This situation showed me that those who we consider our enemies are not always soulless and cruel. Sometimes they're just ordinary humans who are under the thumb of others and they do not want to stand out from the crowd. Apart from that, I realized that not every diagnosis is a verdict. How important is your taste for you? Have you ever thought about its role in our lives? Share your answers in the comments.
2: Click the thumbs up button and subscribe to the channel to stay with us. Hi, my name is Kira and recently, Memory lapses almost ruined my life. Now I'm back to normal and remember almost everything with ease. Well, my memory problems didn't start at birth. All junior high and first years of high school, I remembered absolutely everything. I was a great student, memorized stuff easily, and even helped my friends with their lessons. Kira has a phenomenal memory, the teacher said. She can memorize long poems, formulas, and dates very quickly. You have to use that ability. My parents were thrilled. They complimented me all the time and said that they had high hopes for my amazing memory. I won school competitions. I was the best in my class and even in the whole school. However, my triumph didn't last long. If in junior high school, they still wanted to be friends with me because I was the smartest. Then in high school, of course, I had my detractors. Those of you who are at least once the best at something know how it is. One day you get a round of applause and the next day they're calling you names behind your back. That's exactly what happened to me. My first enemy was Olivia. We went to different schools in junior high and she was the best at hers. Now she had a rival in my person. At first, Olivia took my progress as a challenge. Kira, congratulations. You did the best on the test. My teacher complimented me one day. Olivia snorted loudly and hissed, leaning toward her friend. Big deal. One time. Let's see who's the best next week. But next week, too, my test was judged the best. And next week, and the next week. That's how Olivia knew I wasn't just a misunderstanding, but a real competitor and an enemy. One day, a classmate caught me in the school hallway, pinned me against the wall and blurted it out. Listen, you. If you think you're the smartest, I hasten to disappoint you. I've collected every award in my school and I'm going to do it again. But what can I do if I have a perfect memory? I shrugged my shoulders. Just admit it that you're number two now, that's all. Olivia recoiled from me and stared wide-eyed. She looked like I'd punched her in the face. Number two? We'll see about that. I would do anything to make my parents proud. And the classmate wasn't lying. I wasn't too worried at the time. What's she gonna do, kill me? That's ridiculous. I didn't even tell my parents about the story, but Olivia was determined. She and her friends were going to teach me a lesson. The girls broke into my locker, stuffed it full of books and broke the lock. When I tried to open the locker door to put my things, it didn't open right away. I pulled the door as hard as I could. It flew open and a ton of heavy books and textbooks fell on my head. In fact, that was the beginning of the worst chapter of my life. After the blows on my head, I lost consciousness. I didn't know what kind of books those bitches had put in there. Probably all the volumes of a medical encyclopedia. I woke up already in the hospital. The first thing I saw were my parents' upset faces. Kira! My mother exclaimed. How are you feeling, honey? What happened? I couldn't remember anything at all. My parents told me about the locker and the books. The doctors reassured my parents. They said it was just a minor bruise, and that it wouldn't affect my life in any way. For about an hour, my mom and dad calmed me down and promised me I'd be home in a couple of days. You need more sleep now, he said. Dad stroked my head. We'll definitely visit you tomorrow. But at that moment, I suddenly looked at my parents fearfully and asked, Where am I? What happened? And that's when mom and dad realized that the bruise wasn't so minor. Yes, I had blackouts and they reoccurred so often that every hour, my parents had to, from the beginning, to tell me where I was and what had happened. The doctors were just throwing up their hands. They took all the necessary x-rays and found nothing wrong. From that moment on, however, my life changed completely. At first, my parents still hoped that returning to my familiar surroundings would help me with my memory lapses. However, on the first day, I had a real tantrum when I suddenly found myself in the middle of the school hallway. I had completely forgotten how I woke up this morning, how I was going to school, and I didn't remember the way to school either. No, schooling is out of the question, said a worried dad. Only distance learning. But distance learning wasn't going to do any good either. Once I had learned something, within an hour, I couldn't remember anything I'd learned. That's how my successes ended. And most importantly, I didn't know who had set up the textbook incident. I vaguely remember disturbing Olivia's life. But I couldn't remember our last conversation. Or anything that might have pointed to a classmate. But I was sure that one day I would remember everything and find the culprit that was phenomenal. My memory would now be considered by the dory fish. About a week after I switched, after I switched to homeschooling, someone rang our doorbell. I went downstairs and froze. Standing on the doorstep was Olivia and her friends. My mom, who had opened the door for guests, I think she was confused too. I'd been sick the whole time. None of my classmates or school friends had ever come to see me. Oh, that's right. I don't have any friends. Kira, how are you feeling? We came to check on you. Olivia seemed very sincere, and so did the girls who decided to keep her company. Seemed pretty friendly. I sensed some kind of unease but I couldn't figure out what I didn't like. My mother invited my classmates into the house. She set the table and we all sat down for tea. You really don't remember anything at all? Olivia asked me thoughtfully. I remember things until I black out. I don't remember much since then, since I came to my senses, I explained. What do the doctors say? Will your memory come back? My mom explained to the girls that the doctors are trying to help me but so far the therapy is having very little effect. The girls were relieved and looked at each other. I was very pleased that they cared about me. However, by the end of the tea party, I had lost some of my memory again. Olivia, girls, what are you doing here? I stared at the guests in surprise and they stared at me. Your friends are here to see you, said my mother patiently. Friends? I don't remember having any friends at all. Olivia suddenly jumped to me and took my hand. Of course we're friends, Kira! You're so good, and you're about to be the best in school again! The girl almost cried, and I smiled back at her. Weird. My scrappy memories were telling me that she and I were major enemies. But how could an enemy care so much? I must have got it all wrong. One morning, my mother left me home alone. She needed to get to the office right away. I'll sign the papers and be right back, honey. Don't worry, I smiled. I'll just lie down and watch the show. Nothing will happen. But about 15 minutes after mom left, the doorbell rang. I had to go downstairs and open it. There was Olivia on the doorstep. Hi, Kira! I took the afternoon off from class and I thought, why don't we go for a walk together? You probably don't get out of the house at all. Yeah, I rarely went out and I only went out with my parents. We were always in a hurry to get back before I'd forgotten everything again. I don't even know. It was scary to leave home without my mom and dad, but Olivia was my friend. We'll just go for a ride in the park and come back. I got changed, got on my friend's bike, and we rode. We rode quite a long time. I was beginning to get worried. In general, I remembered my neighborhood, but at some point I realized I didn't recognize the houses and cafes we were passing. Aren't we far away? I got worried. No, we're right down the street, Olivia smiled. A poor thing, your memory lapses. I calmed down. Yes, it was probably my memory that was playing tricks on me again. Finally, we stopped. I got off the bike and looked around. There were only abandoned houses and deserted streets around. This isn't a park. I think I took a wrong turn. Olivia was puzzled. Let me ask someone for directions because my phone is dead. The phone! I forgot all about it. My cell phone is on the bed in my room. I must hurry back in case my mother comes looking for me. Stay here and don't go anywhere, my friend told me and drove around the corner. And then I lost my memory again. I found myself in the middle of an unfamiliar street with no memory of how I got here. I was in such a panic. What am I gonna do now? Where are my parents and where is my home? Why didn't I have my phone with me and where had all the people gone? Crying, I sat down on the sidewalk Hey, miss. I looked up and saw a man. He was looking out the window of his car, coming out of nowhere. Is something wrong? I'm lost. I don't know where I am or how to get home. Wow. Do you remember your address? I'll give you a lift. The man seemed friendly enough. He got out of the car and headed towards me. But then my memory, which had failed me time and again, reminded me of maniacs and murderers who also look nice and then lure their victims into a trap. Stay away from me! I screamed at the top of my lungs. Miss, I'm a policeman. The man went to his pocket for some reason. I thought for sure he was going to kill me. So I jumped up and ran down the street as far as I could see. But I didn't run for long. I tripped on the uneven pavement and fell down, hitting my head as hard as I could. I woke up again in the hospital. And again, my parents were leaning over me. Kira! My mother was crying now. Did you find me? That's good. I went with Olivia and I got lost and that man. You remember everything? Yes, after another stroke, my memory magically came back to me. And now I remember everything. The feud with Olivia and her threats and how she showed up at my house pretending to be my friend. Sometimes people cross the line to be the best they can be. Like Olivia, trying to get her parents' approval, she went completely off the rails. My classmate was just trying to teach me a lesson by doing that prank with the textbooks. But when I lost my memory, I realized I overreacted. It's one thing to have a bump, but it's another to lose consciousness and amnesia. Olivia was afraid of getting kicked out of school for that prank or even go to jail. So she first made sure I remembered very little and then decided to play it safe and take me away to another neighborhood, leaving me alone. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? I don't know what would have happened to me if it hadn't been for that policeman. Even on his day off, he couldn't get past a damsel in distress. Olivia didn't go to jail, but now she has to work with a psychologist all the time. And I'm back to being the best student ever. If you were me, would you forgive Olivia? Be sure to share your thoughts in the comments below this clip. Hi everyone, my name is Leslie. I live with my dad. He's a cop and controls my every move. My parents got divorced a few years ago, and I've been living with my mom all this time. However, she had to fly out of state for a year for work, and I had to move in with my dad, who lived in a small town. No, I love my dad, but the whole situation sucked. New town, new school and classmates, and a new life, because my dad is a strict man. My mom didn't let me do much either, of course, but my dad laid out his rules right away when I came to visit. No boys, no long walks, and no parties. Also, no short dresses or skirts. Honey, I work with criminals, and I know what they can do. I want you to be safe. And I don't want you getting involved with anyone, especially Johnson. Who's Johnson? He's your future classmate. I've already checked out all your new classmates. Johnson is a frequent visitor to my station, always getting into trouble. All he can do is fight and steal. Watch out for him. He's not your kind of crowd. And when I saw this Johnson guy, I knew what my father was talking about. Dirty, unkept, very mean and arrogant. Wow, we got a princess over here. He gave me a cheeky smile. I was startled and immediately pepper sprayed him in the face because what my dad said about this guy really affected me. Hey, is that how a princess greets people? The troublemaker was indignant and covered his face with his hands. Everyone just laughed at him and gave me a thumbs up. I thought that such an unconventional introduction would help me avoid Johnson's attention. But after class, some guys grabbed me. Hey doll, wanna introduce yourself? Leave me alone, I said trying to get out of their grasp. Why are you so boring? Come with us, let's have some fun. Hey, the lady said she didn't wanna talk to you, said Johnson, and he got into a fight with these guys. He quickly scattered them and then asked me if I was all right. I was really scared, But I was also shocked, which made me speechless for a moment. And then my dad showed up at the wrong time to pick me up. He saw me next to Johnson. Hands off my daughter, Brandon. My father said sternly. Ah, so the princess is your daughter. The boy smiled. All I did was help her. Don't go within a mile of her, understand? Or you'll spend the night at the station behind bars. I'd be happy to. I haven't been there for a whole week. Brandon grinned. I couldn't even stand up for him which made me feel insanely ashamed. At home, my dad told me again to stay away from Brandon and reminded me not to hang out with boys until college. Otherwise, my schoolwork would suffer, and any boy who dares to go out with me would suffer too. I'm sure my dad was serious about it. It was really boring at home. I finished all my homework. Dad was watching baseball on TV. I couldn't go out. Besides, I didn't really have anyone to go out with, and I felt terribly lonely. I called my mother, but she couldn't talk to me for long because she was busy. In the morning, for the first time in years, I was excited to go to school. I found Brandon and thanked him for rescuing me yesterday. The best thank you is if I could copy your homework, he said. I didn't care, so I gave him my notebook. I noticed, however, that Brandon was having trouble reading. Are you a bad reader? I asked him. Yes, he admitted and blushed. Don't you like books? I don't have time to read. I'm busy surviving. Is there a desert island around here? I joke. I don't have a home. Brandon answered calmly. My parents abandoned me, and I ran away from the orphanage a long time ago. They weren't treating me well. My heart sank, and in a rush of emotion, I hugged Brandon. I started rambling about how I didn't know about his situation and that I was sorry that this happened to him. And Brandon responded with a smile, saying that it was okay. I looked at him from a different perspective. He has no parents, nobody cares about him, that's why he's acting like this. Maybe he's trying to get in trouble on purpose, to spend the night at Dad's station, because it's warmer there after all. I told my dad about it. He said he knew perfectly well that Johnson didn't have a home or parents. But what bothers me more is that you started hanging out with him. Leslie, what did I tell you? He'll screw you over. You'll cry over him. I agreed with Dad, and started avoiding Brandon, even though it was really hard. The guy kept calling me Princess, which I loved, and tried to start a conversation. I couldn't resist, and we started chatting in secret. After school, I'd go to the town library, where Brandon would come and I'd teach him how to read and write. And in order to get him to practice more often, I gave him my old phone. And now we text every night. I told Brandon that my dad controlled everything, even my texts, so I had to delete them. My new friend called him the Dragon, who holds the beautiful Princess captive. Well, that's partially true. And then Brandon asked me out. Dad was on the night shift, so I said yes. He took me to the park, where we could see the beautiful starry sky, and then he timidly took my hand. I blushed. My heart stopped for a second, but I didn't take my hand away. I never held hands with a guy before in my life. Suddenly, however, we were blinded by headlights. Leslie, what's going on? Why aren't you home? And what's Johnson doing next to you? We were just taking a walk, I mumbled. Get in the car, and you're going to spend the night in jail, you little shit, gladly. Brandon smiled and winked at me. At the station, in his office, my father decided to have a serious talk with me. He decided to tighten his control, so he assigned a young intern to me, Rick. Now he had to watch my every move. I freaked out and went home. In the morning, I walked to school accompanied by Rick. The intern was sympathetic but he couldn't help but obey my father's orders. I was embarrassed walking around the school with a cop. The kids were looking at me sideways. Everyone avoided me. Well, I'll never make any friends here now, and I don't think Brandon is gonna talk to me after last night. But once Brandon was out on the street, he texted me right away. I told him about my situation and the cop controlling my every move. Brandon promised to do something about it. And in the evening, when my father went to bed, someone knocked on my window when i opened the curtains i saw brandon i immediately let the guy in the room you are crazy i said quietly with a smile dad is home yeah but he goes to bed at the same time i noticed that a long time ago being at the station besides i don't want my princess to get bored i chatted quietly with brandon i went on to teach him and then my friend confessed that no one had ever treated him with such kindness before, and he wasn't even comfortable accepting my help at first. Usually, everyone avoids me because I'm the school's biggest troublemaker. Princesses like you just look at me with contempt. And you, Leslie, are not like that. You're very kind. He took my hand again, and I couldn't resist kissing him on the cheek. We texted in class, and after school, we continued texting each other. Dad calmed down and finally got Rick off my back. He also noticed that Johnson hadn't been in a station in a long time. Meanwhile, I helped Brandon get a job at the car wash. You don't have to steal anymore to survive. My dad's friend works here. I made a deal with him. Your shifts will start after school. Thank you, princess. You're a real lifesaver. A few days later, my dad told me he saw Brandon at the car wash. He was surprised because the kid was finally doing something right and started making money. I was pleased. Maybe dad would let us hang out. I secretly brought lunches to Brandon at work, and unfortunately, Dad's friend reported it to Dad. He confronted me in front of Brandon, but my friend stood up for me. Your control has turned Leslie into an uptight girl. She has no friends at all because of your intern, who's been following her around. Everybody's avoiding her now. Not up to you, Johnson, to decide how she lives her life. I'm her father, and I know best. You get on with your work and your life. Daddy asked Rick to keep an eye on me again only now I couldn't go anywhere after school, so I had to stay home all day. Brandon would come over in the evenings, but his visits became rare because of his night job. He wanted to get a flat, so he could stop looking for a place to stay every night. And then one evening, while Brandon was visiting me, my father suddenly woke up. He had an emergency at work, so he came in to let me know. He was furious when he saw Brandon, And told me i was moving back with my mother and i will never see this troublemaker again daddy no please i almost begged i said it all leslie he took brandon out of my room and drove him to the station the next day i was sitting on an airplane crying i loved hanging out with brandon i really liked him too it was going to be hard for him to be without me i mean he had no friends and no support at all my father told my mother and she agreed with the punishment She didn't want me getting involved with homeless troublemakers either. However, Brandon and I continued to text each other anyway. He told me he was having a hard time without me, and I told him I was bored without him. Sometimes we'd turn on the camera, and we'd go for walks like that. I knew I wouldn't see Brandon for a long time or ever, because we were separated by a few thousand miles. But I hoped that in a year, things would get better, because my mom and I would be back home, and I wouldn't be so far away from Brandon. But things didn't go according to plan, because Mom was offered a permanent job, and of course, she said yes. I was devastated that I would never see Brandon again. He really stole my heart and soul. Several months had passed. Brandon hadn't returned my calls or messages for a week. I realized that he was bored communicating this way, and must have found someone else. But then one day, someone knocked on our door, and when I opened it, I couldn't help but shout with joy. I immediately threw myself into Brandon's arms. My princess, I missed you so much. Me too. He said he'd been saving up since I left because he couldn't bear to be away from me. Brandon said he was going to live in this town now to be close to me. My mother was against our relationship and she and my father tried to convince me not to waste my time with Brandon, but he soon proved to them that he had changed and my parents said we could see each other. Are your parents strict too? Write your answers in the comments. I'd love to read them. Bye. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at grammarly.com slash podcast. That's grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.